Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me again on this lovely cast, reunited and it feels so good, it's Tiff. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. I just, I was excited that we got the gang back together. (laughs) It's always nice. You guys aren't excited to just be sitting in our rooms, you know? I've got blankets up, I'm nice and cozy. I'm still, I mean, I'm alone here. Are you armed? I'm always armed. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, how are you? Welcome back to podcasting. Thanks. I'm, I'm good. Good. In case you don't remember who we are or forgot where to find us, you can do so on Facebook.com slash League of Nonsensical Gamers. Feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to BGG Guild number 2077 to join the conversation or find us on wonderful social media places like Twitter and Instagram. We also want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. You can find them on playtmg.com and pay attention for some of their new releases, including the recently released Amun Ray reprint. And uh, it looks like some people have gotten their copies of Coliseum through Kickstarter, so that should probably be hitting store shelves soon, too. Tiff, I know you're a little excited about Coliseum, right? I've seen people tweeting about it. Yeah. Looks cool. It's a it's a shiny, fancy edition. Yeah. All right. So today's show, episode 63, is, you know, going to be a little loose. We're going to chat some games, which is what we have always done best. So uh, Dan's been to PrezCon. He's been showing off his prototype uh, at Unpub Minis around. Before we get into any of that, let's talk about what we've been playing. And I hear Tiff has played a game. Yeah, Waterdeep. Oh, man, you tricked me. You told me you played a game, Tiff. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm always playing Waterdeep, but I did play a new game. I bought a new game for the first Ooh. time in a long time. Yeah, I bought Cosmic Kaboom by friend of the show, Matt Loomis. Oh. And I tell you what, if you have a space map for your game table, this is the game you want. This is the game you should buy because it you looks your great. space map. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not the only one with a space mat, so I know there are people out there looking for games that are going to look amazing on the space mat, and this is definitely one of them. It's true. Yeah, you know, it's a simple flicking game. It's super light, kind of perfect for Board Game Club, but I don't want to take it to Board Game Club because I'm afraid they'll destroy it. That's that's such a chunky game, though. Huh? Isn't it like nice chunky pieces? How are they going to how are they going to destroy Listen, it? Listen, I've told you this about kids, and and really you should probably know, but. They have this, like, film of grossness on them. And no matter how much I make them wash their hands, it's still there. Did I tell you about my copy of The Resistance? It was like they had acid on their hands because like, <laughs> the cardboard was peeling off of it. I'm like, what have you done? I've owned my copy of Resistance for, like, ten years, and nothing has ever happened to it. One play with a bunch of teenagers, and it's, like, pssst, like. Disintegrating. Yeah. Really? Like, I I need to find pictures. I could tweet some pictures of how bad that copy of The Resistance looked after one play from teenagers. They're just gross. It's in a biohazard bag now. But they're gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about your fresh, your mint condition Cosmic Kaboom. Then. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a life-licking game. It probably takes less than half an hour. Um Each player has planets in their own color and their own little disc ship that they flick. You um, you have these little energy crystal tokens that you put on the planets, and you're trying to flick your ship at the planets with those energy crystal tokens so you can get energy cubes. Once you get one cube in each color in the cargo hold of your ship, then you can throw the space bomb, which is a big chunky piece of cardboard that makes you blow up planets if you land it on a planet. Sometimes you can land it on your own planet. Oops, that happened to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, for as many dexterity games as I play, I'm really not that good at them. But but, uh, yeah, it's fun. It has advancement cards, which are little like rule breaky cards that you get to play and you know my favorite part about this game? It's so funny. In reading the rule book, one of the steps is you, quote, define the boundaries of space. And I just think that's like a uniquely <laughs> Matt Loomis. Like, it's like a very deep concept, defining the boundaries of space, but you do it in his game. Um, <laughs> with your little, your player board basically d- 
there are little four corners that determine mm-hmm. like the outline of the board. So you can actually make a pretty gigantic board if you wanted to, if you were into that. I was going to uh, ask you how large of a surface have you played on? Because your mat is like six by three, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't. We didn't. We just played like what you're supposed to play, like oh, okay. square. But yeah, maybe we'll do the whole board. Yeah, go for it. That would be. I'm so bad at flicking though. I like, and the thing is, is if you flick your ship out of the boundaries of space, it blows up. You lose all your energy mm-hmm. cubes, and you got to start over. So, like, they would be terrible if I tried that. Uh, you gotta sometimes you gotta take risks tiff Mm, you know i'm not really a risk taker i don't know if you've noticed this well so you (laughs) define space very very close together yeah i do i gotcha but it's a fun game i think anybody that that definitely games with teenagers it's a good game to pick up it's an easy one to play like this is one they could definitely teach the rules to each other and i wouldn't have to be involved in it uh, other than be like, stop throwing that planet across the room because they definitely just throw components everywhere for funsies. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's great. I love it. That's one that we did a preview of last year, almost a year ago now. Uh, yeah. So you can check out nonsensecoolgamers.com if you want to hear any more about it. But Tiff pretty much gave the spiel. Uh, Dan, have you gotten to see the full production copy yet? No, I have not yet. Yeah. It's beautiful. Looks so good on my space mat. I need to take some pictures of it. How do you flick on a mat? Like it doesn't seem like it would flick. Huh? Oh, it works. I mean, it's a smooth surface, it's mouse pad material. A lot of friction though, though. Uh, yeah. yeah. We used a very small space. I don't know. It worked. I just feel like you Deal wouldn't get the it. the ricochet, like the fun ricochets. That's all. I don't know. Dan likes to play. When we played for the preview, Dan would like grease the table, like Vaseline, <laughs> and it would. <laughs> just... That's worse than middle school. No, just... I'm just kidding. No, it was fun. We still had the same like you know that where your ship bounces off things and it's like a pinball machine. Yeah, we still had that happen. Maybe it's just because maybe our space was small. I don't know, but yeah. it seemed to work just fine on my mat. My mat is very slick. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. I was gonna say maybe you just have a cheap mat, but <laughs> oh. Ouch. I'm kidding. Welcome back, Dan. I've missed you so much. Hating on the space mat. I'm okay with it. The space mat's great. Hating on a space mat. Just, a I just, I don't know how you flick on it. just, I couldn't picture flicking on a mouse pad, but maybe I, they can. You know, happen. I don't know. I think, I think playing on the mouse pad thing worked better for me. I'm, my flicks are sometimes quite wild. So having a little extra okay. wor- a little drag. worked out for me. A little drag. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I felt successful in playing it, and I'm so bad at flicking. Like, I'm not good at flicking games. For as many flicking games that I own, I really suck at it. Uh, but this one made me feel good. So right. thank you, Matt Loomis. Well, keeping with... Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that personal contribution to Tiff's collection. Uh, <laughs> keeping with Space and Kickstarter, I got my copy of Planetarium in, which I know Tiff was like, yeah. Oh, tell me all about it. It's a pretty game, I can say that much. Oh, no. No, You can't say anything else? I'm just kidding. No, this game came, uh, finally got fulfilled from Game Salute, and uh, Tiff and I, I think we did a Kickstarter spotlight on this, and we were a little concerned about the Game Salute thing. No problems. Not a big deal. I think the Game Salute-like concerns have diminished from years past. Uh, The game came cleanly, came relatively on time. It's gorgeous. I mean, the, the art, which is one of the things that drew me to it, just really stands out uh really vivid colors against like black backgrounds really depicts some really uh really depicts some cool uh space things like they're planets but they're features so it's you know asteroid impacts or different types of surface features that planets can have Um, the game itself is actually pretty simple it's a little simpler than i was expecting it's a basic I call it contract fulfillment, but basically, you know, you're collecting things to turn in and play cards. Uh, Generally speaking, what you're trying to do is there are four planets that you are forming in this new galaxy, or new solar system, rather, and you are adding features to them. And as you add features, that's kind of telling the story of how this planet came to be in its final uh, phase. Its its end phase is how it ends up at the end of the game. Uh, You've got some different ways to score points, which are basically uh, playing these cards out get a certain number of points for them, and then you have endgame cards where if the planet has certain features on it, you can play them as kind of uh, endgame goals. The way that you actually 
play on your turn is you've got these orbits so a circular board with uh, I don't know like 60 different little elements on them all you do is move a token and if the token crashes into a planet you collect it and put it on your little player board in the right section and those resources can be played onto that that planet for features so Kel and I played twice in about 90 minutes not very long with two players uh, I don't know it would probably go faster with more just because there is a set end game that is based on the number of resources you're spending so more people equals more resources being spent means faster game so pretty light um, but a, a cool production you know I asked Kel how she felt about it she said I wouldn't want to play it all the time it's probably one that you could easily get burnt out on but having it available lightweight little euro I don't know it's cool I like it I'm happy with it you know but it could be one that I don't know maybe a year or two down the road I'm kind of like okay I've had my fill and maybe I send it on no, maybe I should wait a year or two down the road. You can just send it to me. Uh, yeah, potentially. It's supposed to be widely released by the end of the month. I just looked it up. Yeah. Do you, does it have a MSRP on it? I think it's forty bucks. I think thirty nine dollars. I think that is probably the perfect price point. Forty bucks seems really fair. You're getting a lot of nice components. The card art, like I said, is fantastic. Everything's um, nice. Thick cardboard. The board's really nice. So it's a good production. Forty dollars is is about the right price the weight of the game is just it's could be a good one for board game club maybe as like a slightly step up for them but maybe like a lightweight for you kind of thing if that makes that sense that sounds good to me i yeah. like that yeah um now, now i'm excited send me your copy you don't want it i i do i do want it you know i like it i want to play it some more but i do say you know i openly admit that i don't know that it has a ton of longevity just because the game is relatively the same every time the cards are varied you never know kind of what you're going to be playing towards but there's no there's no really variation in the play the gameplay you're kind of doing the same things every time which is okay but it's not going to be like a let's explore planetarium it's going to be like do you want to play and kind of know what you're doing right out of the box that's okay for me yeah yeah i only play games once if you only play games once this will be top of your shelf this is cool <laughs> perfect i'm glad so. to hear it was good i was i didn't back it because i was worried about it and but i've been kind of watching for it yeah i think it, i'd add it to my pile of kickstarter successes so awesome i'm happy that's with always it. a refreshing thing all right dan can you follow suit in this trick-taking game of what we've been playing can you pick a space or a kickstarter no i could pick another boring kickstarter though if you all want. right let's do that so i played starving artists uh -oh. yesterday <laughs> with steve um sigh <laughs> yeah that oh man he's been I mean, waiting to play planetarium that. just sounded like a snooze and this one sounds even worse when you hear it now that i think about it but like this game had a really cool concept if you haven't seen it it's like there's these giant cards like these are like bigger than tarot sized cards and they're like all kind of open domain artwork pieces and then there's these little squares on it like varied from like three to ten and they're just they're colored which corresponds to a colored paint cube that you have to place on that to complete the painting and all the while like every turn you don't complete a painting you you lose a food because you're hungry hence the starving artist piece the game was super light my biggest problem was there was no kind of point of escalation in it it was the same thing so the actions you can do in your turn are randomly draw three paint cubes out of the bag place four paint cubes onto your painting trade paint cubes with the market at these ridiculous like two for one five for two and then nine for three ratios and then buy a painting which you have to spend paint cubes to buy these paintings from the row in the middle it was just I don't know. It was just too many steps to get to where it wanted to be. Like the draw three random. If you didn't draw what you wanted, then you had to spend two of those just to get one from the market. All the while you're trying to complete a project that takes nine cubes and it's going to take three, three actions just to complete that. And you only get two actions per turn. So it was just, it just dragged. There was no kind of point. I wanted something where it's like, okay, I've started to complete these things. Maybe I have some some fame or some renown as an artist so i can now draw four or five paint cubes out of the bag you know to kind of escalate make give it like a small little engine 
just to ramp the game up. But it was just the same thing over and over and over until somebody gets in two player. It was until somebody gets seven paintings or 16 points. How long did it take to play with two players? <sighs> um, <laughs> longer Too long, I, apparently. Longer than I wanted to play. <laughs> maybe 40 minutes. Oh, okay. See, I uh, also back this one. You talked me into it, actually, so I'm going to blame you if I hate it. I did? Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> you did. Why did I talk? I would never. I didn't even look at this one on Kickstarter. I don't know how I talked you into that one. We talked about it together. That's how. But uh, anyway, I did. I backed it on Kickstarter, and uh, my copy, because it was sent through registered mail, got returned to sender because my postal person sucks. Yeah, let the I sender keep it. I never got a final notice. <laughs> well, they kind of told me, well, once we get your copy, then we can send it back to you. Or I can pay to have it sent to me right now. And I'm like, oh, I don't no. want to pay any more. I was going to say, Dan, would you suggest Tiff pay more money for this? No. <laughs> no. And I think what was upsetting was like, it's a really kind of cool concept. And it's visually kind of appealing. Um, I really liked the artwork, the translucent kind of colored cubes was a nice touch but uh the game it it's just are the you story the wrong of... audience for this game though so, yeah. i might be but the did whole... steve like it no i think steve agreed it was pretty kind of boring okay um that's not steve's a, a little story. lighter than you no and i was i was doing my normal kind of like talking through maybe i would change this would change that and he doesn't get offended by that in the least because i always said sorry you know i'm not bashing your game he's like no 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 i completely I say you were openly saying. criticizing the game as you played like you normally do I will be very critical of a game <laughs> that comes from Kickstarter. I just, it's just, it's burned me so many times. It's yeah. just getting bad. It's getting worse and worse. It's like the, the, everything's hidden under visual appeal now. And you get these games and they're just like, eh. Um, which is. Well, yeah. to be fair, a lot of games out there are just, eh. I've said it a thousand times. Most games are average. That's just how the world but works. But that is okay. Most TV shows and movies are average too. It's okay. Most people are average. hey Not on this podcast. <laughs> we are either above or below. I agree. I'll leave it to the audience to figure out which is which. Dan? I forgot what I was saying. I forgot what I was saying. You guys interrupted <laughs> me, so I forgot it. So Sorry. I don't know. Something well, about... Do you think? do you think this game is below average, or is it average? Uh, I guess I'll just go with the cop out. I guess it has its audience, but it's not me. <laughs> No, do you actually think this game has an audience? Like, do you think I there's think a? It was, I think it was underwhelming and could have been. It could have been cooked a little longer in the oven because yeah. I think there's some. I, and I was literally Steve and I were talking after, and I was like, look, if they would have done this and that and this, like it would have given it like that. Like I had just mentioned, like as you paint more, you know, you shouldn't be starving the same because you're now selling these paintings, and the more paintings you get, you know, maybe you can buy paint cheaper and you know draw more out of the bag to make that kind of mm. because it's like you draw three random you can place four so if you th and you're trying to complete a painting of nine so let's do the math here and you only get two actions a turn so it's just dragging on and on and the trading with the market like i was it was like like i said it was two for one five for two or nine for three and if you think about that how does that work I, why is you it just trade way? your I, I don't know the math just bought i was like if you give me two for one... Why wouldn't I just do that twice? That's what I'm saying. It's a free action, too. So it's not even like I spent an action. So why can't I get... Why isn't there a better ratio here? Oh, it's it a free just, action? Yeah, it's a free action, which really pissed me off. So couldn't you just do two for one over and over again until you've spent eight I for mean, four? Theoretically, I guess. That's the thing. Like, And it's just... That's what annoyed me about the math. And being the math guy that I am, like, it's just like... Uh, things like, Little things like that just really irritated me with the game. And like I said, I, I think it had promise. I think there's something there. It just so could needed... it be house ruled into being the good game that you wanted it to be? Mm, I hate that though. Yeah, that's I the know. thing. Like I do too. But like, if all the components are there and you could just change some of this math, I guess. Yeah, if you wanted to take the time to do it, I wouldn't. Like it's just like I'm getting my, my copy. What should I change? Because I want <laughs> um, to enjoy the game. I'll send like, you I don't want to go through it. Okay, perfect. I just. I... Yeah, it just it just kind of frustrated me. And like I said, like sometimes I feel with Kickstarter, and I keep rambling about this. It's just stick it in the oven for another month or two, guys. Like everyone's trying to make a buck on Kickstarter. I get that, 
and you know this game did well it made like fifty thousand dollars and i think the thing oh this is what i was gonna say before i think okay all games are average on you know on average games are average there we go (laughs) but it's like with kickstarter games it's like you build in this this hype and this anticipation and this wait period yeah that like it's it's even more depressing when it sucks than if you just go to the store and you buy it off the shelf you play it that weekend and then you're like mm, this is going on the trade pile you know what i mean like i i put my money into it i supported the store at the same time so i felt kind of good about that even if the game wasn't good you know what i mean but this is like you put this in you wait six to twelve months and then it's like oh. so is this the one that's gonna get you off of kickstarter forever not off forever i'm not i'm not on kickstarter all that much anyways anymore are you saying that Kickstarter, bad Kickstarter games are like having ugly babies? <laughs> I, explain. When you put in all that time and effort and you wait nine months and then you're like, great, my baby's ugly. Yeah. I was going to say, I have a super cute baby, so I can't relate to this question. This is, yeah, that's <laughs> true. You do have a cute baby. Do you, like, do you think that's how mom felt when Eric was born? Mm. Like, man, I... I... <laughs> yeah, she was like, finally, I don't have to deal with Matt all the time anymore. <laughs> Touche, touche. Here's a here's a question to throw out. Do you think that because this I think it's a pretty cool it's theme. A, that's why I said there's there's so much promise in it, and it's a cool box. The picture cards are huge, and like they have a presence. It's just mechanically just it just needs work. You know, most artists never got famous until they were dead. So maybe this game will be fun once you're dead. <laughs> I just want I just want some ramp up, and I know like when I. You know, like not to digress, but like as I was doing like Storm Chasers when I first showed it at Unpub last year, one of the comments people made to me was, "It's very just level throughout the game. There's no kind of ability to yeah. ramp up any of your actions or any of the tension in the game." And I took that to heart because you know, as a as a player myself, like that's what you look for in a game. Like you want to build towards something. You don't want to just build, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's what I felt like this was. This was just kind of going through the motions. Seeing who could do it, I guess, who drew the better colors out of the bag, you know, kind of thing, and got their corresponding paintings faster. So, yeah. Do you think it has to do with, I I know I have a friend whose brother got involved in a board game Kickstarter, and they were completely outside of the industry as we know it, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't know other designers, they don't do Unpub, they just put together a card game and put it on Kickstarter. Do you think, like a lot of this results from that kind of thing like people just like play testing within their own little group and putting stuff up without like the same process that goes into bigger I can games. only kind of speak from my own experience I and and even yesterday like and we'll talk I can talk about this later but like I did an unpub mini and I, I've been doing a lot of testing with Steve our buddy Steve like he and I have kind of like been doing a bulk of the testing of storm chasers and it's just because i you know we take what we can get as far as testing and time and things like that but yesterday we got some outside people in that weren't steve and i and they kind of opened our eyes to a couple things and had a couple of really good suggestions and things that steve and i being kind of on the track that we're on and thinking the way we were thinking you know maybe hadn't thought about it that way and i i always feel like with kickstarters you sh- especially and I think it goes for a kind of uh, publishing and development work in general. But I think Kickstarters especially, you know, people feel like they have, and this is not Starving Artists in particular. I'm not h- hating on this game in particular. I'm thinking like the mindset of people is like, look, my family likes this game. A couple of my friends like this game. Maybe one or two people I've shown it to outside of my friend group like this game. It's ready for Kickstarter. And you know, reality is you probably could hone that game another um, you know, a couple of months. And a, a quote from Rob Davio, which I really enjoy, is that, you know, he had spoken, I forget which podcast I was listening to, but he had mentioned, he's like, more people will play your game the first day it's released than if you had play tested it for five years kind of thing. And and that's that's pretty crazy to think about because that's a lot of data and and a lot of kind of thoughts and things like that. And while you can't always, especially in the board gaming realm, you know, not like video games where you can patch it and move on. Like in the board gaming world, like that kind of data is invaluable and things are going to seep through. So you need to like cook your game in the oven. I keep using the oven thing and that's thanks to Matt Wolf and his 
silly segment you know, on the game designers of North Carolina, what's in the oven. <laughs> um, I keep saying the oven metaphor, but I, I just feel like you could always just kind of bake it a little longer. And I was telling this to Steve yesterday, like I'm super perfectionist and I'm like scared crapless every time I show my game to someone. And I like, I will be the first one to criticize my own design before someone else because I, I just feel like I need to be super critical of it. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. That's kind of a long-winded way of saying, yes, yeah. Tiff, I think people put it on Kickstarter <laughs> too quickly. Yeah. I was just, I mean, I think people hit the limits, like you and Steve. You, like, hit the limits of your oven, your guys' oven. So you have yeah. to take it to other people. And, like, there are people putting games out on Kickstarter that don't know yeah. about OnPub, that don't know there are opportunities to get their yeah. games playtested yeah. by... People. Yeah, Other yeah. My oven only goes to maybe four fifty, but maybe I need like a wood fire that goes to nine hundred. And you people are my wood fire. Oh, See? I love this. You people are my <laughs> wood fire. Are my wood fire. So come that bake my pizza at Unpub March seventeenth. That is endearing. Bake my pizza. <laughs> you know what I I was just thinking is like some really talented designer should somehow make a business of creating ho- uh, awesome house rules for crappy Kickstarter games. Like there's a piece of the market that's left un- untapped there. There are so many bad Kickstarter games that like you look at and they're beautiful and you want to play them, but the rules and like the components are all there. Like how can we make it work? I feel like there's well, something there's- to that. It was always interesting when we were doing the bulk of our Kickstarter stuff. I mean, that's kind of where we started with the site. We were always doing Kickstarter stuff. And there were some designers, and it was typically the smaller ones, who would take our feedback. Like, we'd actually, I would write up, like, let's write stuff down. Let's come up with comments. Let's give suggestions. And then there's other ones who are just like, I just want a quote and a review on the page. Like, I don't don't need you to write what you actually think of my game. I need you to just write something nice so I can post it. But then there's other people who were like, like, I always remember Neon City Rumble. I mean, that game did not do well, but it, it funded. But, like, Davey Wagnerock was so enthusiastic about our feedback, and he, like, tore his whole game down and, and built it back up and, and came up with a different product. But, like, you know, at, there is value there to taking feedback and to, and to you know, you want to make a game that people want to play. And I guess there's some value to making a game that you like, I mean, you have to be happy with your game, but it shouldn't just be for you. You're you're making a game for hopefully thousands of other people to play too. So you got to listen to them. Yeah, but. I know we're probably not meaning this to be like Kickstarter discussion part two, but like the friend of mine whose whose brother put this game up on Kickstarter. Actually, it was like a yeah. whole group of friends together. Like had us play test it, and we gave a lot of comments, and they weren't really like incorporated into the game i think it also has to do with people's ability to deal with criticism and take criticism and you know seek that out i don't think that happens nearly as much yeah it's also kind of it also plays into how well you can accept and react to the feedback not even just criticism but like you know i i for instance like i played my game last weekend with tc petty and tc knows what he's doing i i respect him as a designer i love him as a person like so when he says something, I, I know it's it's well meant and he's not insulting or anything like that. But I always like it's almost like gospel to me being a new designer because it's like oh TC's been around the block. But at the same time, I still have to, even though it's coming from TC, someone I respect in, in in the design world, like I still have to digest it and see how it applies to my game and my vision for my game. And that I think is is a skill set that everyone needs to just keep honing, kind of thing and. That taking that feedback and just using it how you see fit and maybe even I took one of his suggestions and I actually thought on it like all week and I came up with something uh, new which played off of what he was thinking and also kind of played off what I was hoping for um, as far as the feeling and I think you know having tested it yesterday something came out of it which was great and so yeah things like that yeah I mean how much do you feel like you have to it sounds like you're describing a skill set where you need to be able to kind of take meaningful feed like sift through meaningful feedback and not so meaningful feedback like you want to listen to everyone but it goes both ways like you should always listen to other people's thoughts but not everybody's thoughts are going to be meaningful towards your situation again it's you're the designer in these instances and you want to be able to have your vision come through in the game and maybe not everyone understands your vision, hence, you know, Unpub last year when I had the kind of the, the blow up at that one game, which was kind of funny. 
Um, and I know, for instance, like when I first started kind of doing this last year, like everyone's feedback I took and I tried to incorporate it. And I was like, wait, this is too much. This is changing my game in ways that I didn't really want it to. And it's not that they were like they had any ill intentions. It was all, you know, in good faith thoughts they had kind of come up with games they had suggested I play to look at this mechanic and that mechanic. But at the end of the day, like I had to sift through that. And that's, that's really hard. And that's coming from someone like me. That's kind of just doing this amateurish right now. Um, it's, it's, it's great to get the feedback. It's even harder to, to dissect it and see how it can be applicable to the experience. Do you still have the dreidel? Yes. And I figured out a way, I figured out a way to incorporate it. That's working really well. The game is, that's the best suggestion you ever got. The game the core, dream. yeah. I think the theme was the best suggestion the you ever got. But theme is good. Oh, so now I just need the person who gave me the theme to try the game, and then we'll be good. Yeah. I'm here. Steve and I are working to put it on Tabletopia. Oh, that would be great. So I can, so I can get some digital testing in. I think it's going to be a bit fiddly on Tabletopia, but at least I can kind of show it, and, and get some thoughts that way, and then tinker with it myself. But uh, yeah, so I guess we just covered the unpub part. I just talked about design for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, where's the game at? I mean, this is still, we're still talking Storm Chasers. I feel like the listeners know that it's, you know, this is Storm Chasers, Dan's design that he's working on. All right, this is my game, Storm Chasers. This game has evolved into a kind of a tactical pick up and deliver across the board. You're going around, you're observing storms for both photography and research. Um, the observation part of the storm is a pressure luck. So think of the board as kind of the macro view of the map, and you're walking through it. Not walking through, you're driving through it. Um, I don't know many storm chasers that walk. Storm yeah, chasing on foot. Module. Be extra risky. Let's walk to the storm. It's a lot slower game, though. Yeah, it's like Twilight. And then, so like, as you're observing a storm, you, you get into the micro level, which is the pressure luck dice element, where you're looking to go from like point A to point B, B being the storm. And along the way, you're taking photography and researching you're also getting pummeled by the storm in the dice. So you're basically forming a dice pool. And at any one point, you could be rolling up to like like 12 dice in your hand. So it's a real kind of good feel of just throwing down a pool of dice. Something that obviously I was not comfortable doing when I first implemented this. But I was always told maybe... Tiff, are you hearing this? He just said the the, the enjoyable feel of throwing down a handful Richard of dice. Richard would be so proud. But here's the difference. Number one, there's not Cthulhu, because that guy can go to hell. Although, he's, I guess he's already from kind of hell in a way. He's not from hell. He's from another dimension. Can we get a Cthulhu expansion if this works out? Um, anyways, it's... <laughs> and what I tried to build in is, even though there's dice, I tried to build in choice with that dice. So how you, how you determine your research and your photography along the way. How far into the storm you drive. Um, things like that. So, And then, again, we have some cards that mitigate things um as well that i'm working on right now but it's it's good the core loop is there um the game is not broken i've played it like five times in the last week and it's been really just humming along it's at that point where it just it needs to be fine-tuned and i need to i need to settle on a couple of things and then i don't know maybe i'll start trying to see if i can pitch it and get some kind of publisher feedback on it because some of the suggestions I actually got last week were kind of publisher based as far as components and what may or might not be appealing, um, things like that. But at the end of the day, I think everyone said it was fun, which is, uh, that's like the biggest compliment. So, so, and like I said, yesterday at the Unpub Mini, I got a lot of good feedback on a couple of areas that I was testing specifically when you complete con. So when you, when you gather photos, the photos are different sizes based on the storm type. So think of either like one, one one inch by one inch square up to a one by three and then the contracts um, that you're fulfilling are like a tetris puzzle kind of thing so these media outlets are looking for news for their website for their um, thing and then you're taking these photos so the the better the photo so like a six ranked photo spans over three of the blocks on the contract so you cover those up you get paid for all three of those blocks because you've submitted this super high quality in the storm photo um and the contracts are also kind of collaborative, kind of positive player interaction and in that other people can contribute to that contract. And then when the contract is completed, everyone gets paid out based on how they contributed. Um, so it's that, that piece worked really well yesterday. And it kind of added a cool little dimension with the Tetris puzzle piece because you could like, if somebody had the six, the red six, so the red storms being the supercells, if they had that six, 
there's only one of those. So I've, I've limited, this is something I was testing yesterday. I've limited the photos so that you can only take one of each type. So if somebody has that six, I might go in and I might put one of my little things in there to block so that he can't place it in that contract kind of thing. So it gives a little interaction as well. So it's working. I'm, I'm happy with it so far. I've had some interest from some people, so I'm hoping to show it a lot more at Umpub. Yeah, when's Umpub? When can people play this? Yes, so I, I have a tag table at Umpub in Baltimore the weekend of St. Patrick's Day. Actually, if you're going to be at the Designer Day, I am actually emceeing all of the designer panels. I got roped into that by Daryl, and so that's the Friday. So And then the Saturday and the Sunday, I'll have my table in the morning on Saturday and the afternoon on Sunday. Table B as in boy six. So come play it, tear it apart, break it. I'm all for it. You need to get you a podcast shirt to wear while you MC panels. I might do that. I do have podcast shirts. You have podcast shirts? Oh, no. I have league shirts. Same thing. We should get podcast shirts. With our names on the back and numbers like we're athletes. Yeah, I've always wanted that. It's never been possible. I'm waiting for Dan to make a comment about how he's, like, Dan's played sports all of his life, so he's very familiar with having his name on a shirt. Yeah, I always, I always chuckle that, like, Board Game Geek has, like, football jerseys, but all of them say they don't like sports. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like, it's like, all right. People just like fine. to wear a jersey. Now, if you're going to wear a jersey of any sport, you wear a soccer jersey, um, because those are super, yeah, and they're super comfortable, and they're just, they're nice, fat quality. They're not, like, they don't go down to your knees, like a football or a hockey jersey. Like a hockey jersey makes you look like a freaking like Liberty Bell or something. Like they're just like they're too wide. Like I understand why hockey players wear them, but I, I anyways, I digress. You got to have life goals. You got to you got to work towards the muscles that would fill it's out not a that. hockey jersey. Like, they're wide at the like the waist. Yeah, cuz you padding, need to wear padding, right? Under it. Like I get why they're sized like that. I know, I'm saying get big. Drink beer or work out, one of the two yes. until you fill out the hockey jersey. I'm just gonna keep wearing soccer jerseys. My point is, is let's get let's get these soccer jerseys yeah. designed, and then we can open up a league yeah. store. And then baseball jerseys are awkward because they have like the <laughs> tails in the back because it's like you need to keep it tucked in when you're playing. So like you're not gonna wear a tucked in baseball jersey like out in public. So like I'm glad they finally came out with girly baseball jerseys because I have a baseball jersey that I occasionally wear to school when it's jersey day, so I can wear my jeans. And, oh, I look so terrible Yeah, they're just weird looking. I don't like them. And I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. And, yeah. So I'll just wear my soccer jerseys. Go Arsenal. We just learned a lot about board games and jerseys. Yeah, this is weird. Let's get back to what we've been playing. We just literally talked like 20 minutes. I don't know if we should apologize or was that interesting. Listen, we said it was going to be a loose episode. And there you go. It's as loose as loose can be. Matt, what have you been playing? I... I, a couple else? of things. I have a feeling we're going to hear about a Fantasy Flight catalog of games coming up. <laughs> Hold Uh-oh. on, let me find a different game that I was going to talk about. <laughs> I I basically stuck the landing on that one. Are there any non-Fantasy Flight games? I've been playing a lot of stuff that we've actually, like I've been playing before. I got to play more Arkham Horror card game I won't talk about. It. I got to play more Netrunner. It was so good. We know. It's so good. Pandemic Pat Reign of Cthulhu and Roll for the oh, Galaxy. Dan, what are you saying? Talking about Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Mm. That's a quality game. It's still Pandemic. Did you have bad things to say about my LCGs? No, no, no. I just said you were, it's, Tiff was like, they're still good. I was like, yep, they still release packs every Monday. <laughs> Dude, Arkham Horror the card game is legitimately an awesome. Like, I'm, I'm not going to go too much into it. Just the design is really good. Like, the way that they tell stories and what they're doing, I think, is really smart. I'm really... I got to play it with Craig over Skype. Uh, It's just a good time. That game is a lot of fun for a co-op game. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Games that are not FFG or Cthulhu-based. Let's see. Castles of Burgundy, the card game, is just Castles of of Burgundy, turns out. Yes. Uh, I think I liked it. I haven't played the board game at 2. Is it that quick at 2? Because the card game was like, we played in a half hour. I don't think I've ever played that game at two. Because that's the only reason I could think of ever having the card game is if it actually plays faster. But otherwise you're doing the same stuff. Yeah, I, I think the card game is really good. I'd still rather just play the board game. 
but that's just because it, it offers mm. card games cheaper. That's why you get the card. The card games cheaper. Yeah, but it's only like smaller. seven dollars cheaper if you look at like Amazon. Like Castle of the Burg is like twenty two bucks or something like that. Yeah, and it the footprint is not smaller. Surprisingly, it takes up so much room. Oh no, I I meant in the box, like for travel purposes. If you're wanting to like take a feld on vacation, you, you just pack, pack this. it in your Castles of Burgundy box. You, you just can't play, play it on that the game bed. Duh. No. Anyway, I'm they're both kidding. very good. It's fine, relax. <laughs> you find a conference room. I don't think. There you I go. don't want to talk done. about Cthulhu because I I can't take the ridicule from Dan. But Mythos Tales is good. I love Cthulhu. <sighs> no Cthulhu ridicule here. It's just dumb. Oh man, I played none of these. Dan will like one game that I played from Kickstarter that was actually. I don't have to like it. You can just talk about it. I know. It's a, it's for the listeners, so some of them will like your your weird games. I love you, Deal. You're my brother. But I would venture to say like 50% of your game shelf I don't like. So it's like... That it's is okay. generous. I'd deal. say I look at my game shelf and I'm like, I have nothing to bring to play with Dan. Well, you know why that is? It's because Dan buys all the games that Dan likes. So you are left to buy the games that Dan does not like. That's how that goes. And I'd venture to say Dan would not like 50% of most people's game shelves. I don't know if he likes 50% of his own game shelf sometimes. I have 76 games on a list to sell. And where can we find that list? I still have mine, too. I, uh, if you want the list, email me. I haven't submitted it yeah. on Twitter. I, don't wanna, I feel like I'm pandering sometimes. I don't want to keep tweeting Fair it enough. out. But if you want to hear it or see it, I could read it to you if you want to really hear it. Um, yeah. I'll oh, wow, Dan. Memo. Would you guys rather hear about One Deck Dungeon or Mythos Tales? One Deck Dungeon. All right. So we got in... Mythos Tales is just less interesting Sherlock Holmes, right? I haven't played Sherlock Holmes, so I don't know if it's less interesting, but it's the same formula. I did get the new Sherlock Holmes, Dan. We need to play that. What what is the new one? Uh, The Space Cowboys new uh, version of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Is it the same one I have? No, it's ten. It's the same formula, but it's ten new mysteries. Oh, so cool. we can play that sometime because I know you've been holding out on playing that one for uh, for Biff. I tried to trick him into it, but he wasn't feeling it. It's one of those games where I gotta be in the mood for it. Yeah, it's pretty fun. But one deck dungeon, we'll stay on track. Uh, I got to play this twice: one solo and I lost, and then once two player with Kel. It's a Kickstarter Asmati game. Uh, I think it's Sizzlick? Sizzlick? How do you pronounce his name? Chris. Yep. Yeah. It's pronounced Chris. <laughs> True. Uh, basically, it is... They call it One Deck Dungeon because it's a dungeon crawl dice game rolled into one deck of, like, 50-some cards. So you pick a character class, basic fantasy character classes... You pick an enemy that you're going to fight, and there's three phases to the dungeon. And basically what you do on your turn is you choose to either explore, which brings out more cards to the the play area. You can have up to four there that are face down. Or you can kick in a door and see what's behind it, which is to flip over one of your cards in the middle. When you flip over the card, there's either a combat challenge or like a agility or, or a different kind of encounter. So you're either fighting something or you're like trying to get through a door or trying to open a chest or something like that and basically you have a stat pool which equates to dice you roll the dice and you're trying to place values on the card so let's say i kick in the door and find an ogre the ogre might have five boxes on it and it needs you know a red five a blue six uh three uh one or more yellow dice that adds up to 11 kind of thing so you contribute your dice to the monster uh try to complete the challenge Any boxes you don't fill deal you damage and waste your time, so you lose cards out of the deck. And you kind of rinse and repeat until you're to the final battle against the big bad. So we played against the dragon, and we lost in, like, the very last moment. It, again, not a game that probably Dan would be into. Tiff, maybe you'd be into it, you know, uh, because it is dice placement. It works really well, though. I was surprised because I figured this was, like, a $15 game. It's probably not going to have a whole lot to it. Uh, We played it for like 40 minutes it's surprisingly kind of meaty not meaty i don't know that's not really the word there's not a lot of depth to it but you get to every time you beat something you get to convert that card into either an upgrade or an ability 
or um, some experience points, which upgrades your stats and things like that. So there is a lot going on. You're constantly doing stuff. And even though it is kind of a rinse and repeat formula, you encounter enough different things because the deck is um, so big. You don't see a lot of the same stuff and you have unique combinations of your powers and things like that. So it it was cool. I mean, we, we've had some thinky moments. We had some cool triumphant moments and uh, rolled some dice and, and placed them. So not a whole lot going on, but I think if you're looking for like a small box, it it does exactly what it says it's going to do. You know, it, it lives up to the promise and, um, you know, it, it's kind of cool. It's nice to get a Kickstarter game. That's exactly what you expected. Is it above average? No, it's an, it's an average game. You know, I think that in the small box category, maybe it's above okay. average. Like if you're, it does what it does well, but you know, when you look at the grand scope of my game shelf, it's not rising above, you know, it's, it's not better than descent or anything like that. Like I, if I want a dungeon crawl, I'm going to go break out a dungeon crawl. <laughs> I don't think that's a fair comparison. I, what you're describing sounds very interesting to me so much so that I almost bought a copy, but they're temporarily out of stock on Amazon. Sad. Well, depending on when they get it back, I can always bring it around Origins. Um, or if you end up in town before then, we can definitely try it out. It's it's fun, you know? I dug it. All right. Tiff, anything else? Is that your only game? <laughs> it was a weird board game club because a bunch of my kids didn't show up, and then I had a new kid show up. So we played Rumble in the Dungeon this week. Uh, we, we've normally played Rumble in the house, but I have, I have Rumble in the dungeon. I brought it and it only has one little tweak where, uh, if you don't know about Rumble in the house, basically it's a modular like board. It has a space for every character, all these different monster characters. And on your turn, you can move a character that's in an empty room to another room, or you can, in a room that has more than one character, you can choose one to take out. And then at the end, the characters that last the longest get the most points and your characters are secret so you don't know whose are whose and until you start moving them and you can kind of deduce how to figure it out um the rumble in the dungeon just adds a treasure chest that you can move with a character and if someone gets that treasure chest out of the exit of the dungeon they are the player that gets the most points as opposed to the last player that's in the dungeon so it just adds a little twist and it makes me wonder about i just recently saw my game store cthulhu in the house interesting dan i know it's on your list but uh it has i looked it up just to see what it added because i'm like is this just another like cash grab Cthulhu thing kind of sounds like it but it's a little bit more chaotic I think because it adds tokens where you can switch characters to different rooms or switch out which character is being removed from the game so it sounds like you can like interrupt kind of I don't know the kids really love that game it's one of the games that probably gets played the most I can't recommend it highly enough uh, for if you have if you have a large group and you need something that's simple, you have first time players. It's kind of the perfect game. That's all I have to say about that. You okay, Dan? What is <laughs> like, where is the originality in this world? Like seriously, why is everything Cthulhu? Like that's why I respect the the video game space so much because the themes are just out of this world unique in a lot of these games. And it's like Cthulhu in the house, really? Like come on. Well, I think it comes to, like, marketability and, like, profit, right? Like, people just want to make something they know that they're going to like, and risk-taking isn't necessarily rewarded all the time in board game themes. To be like, fair, like, the video game market highlights unique themes, and they tend to do well, but there are just as many, like, regular old dungeon crawl fantasy video games as there are Cthulhu board games. Yeah. It, well, I am buying you a copy of Cthulhu Love Letter. Nope. Yep. Yep. I will I will physically burn it in front of <laughs> that you. That might be worth it. You can just send it my way, <laughs> Dan. Uh, I love Love Letter, but I hate Cthulhu. Well, maybe the Cthulhu adds a sweet... Insanity. ...otherworldly twist. All right. I'm sure that's what it adds. I'm going to design a Cthulhu game. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to challenge myself. I think you should. I have a really good co-op mechanism that I want to use, so... Maybe I'll do Cthulhu in the basement. <laughs> Cthulhu in the attic. Uh, with all the, like... Cthulhu in the bedroom. Uh, too many tentacles. 
Uh, Cthulhu in the bedroom? Oh, that's going to be good. Now we're like, we've been playing Mythos Tales, which I think is really fun, and we've been playing Arkham Horror, which is really fun. When Kel broke out Pandemic Rain of Cthulhu yesterday, I was a little like, oh, God, you couldn't have gone to the next box over, which is Pandemic Iberia. Like, I just... I just ordered that. But I just, like... I am... I really like the high-quality Cthulhu of Mythos Tales and uh, Arkham Horror LCG. So, like, Pandemic is just... It is just slapped on there for the most part. So I was like, I don't know if I'm feeling this right now. But, you know, it, we got through it. Wait, did you just agree that the theme was slapped on? Because I think a couple episodes ago you guys were talking about how well the theme was integrated into that. It is, but that now doesn't deny the fact that they did just grab Cthulhu and throw it on. Like, I mean... It's just a cash grab. I think it's a better version of Pandemic. It, it's still a different enough game. Like, I'm not denying that. I'm just burnt on Cthulhu. Weird. I've been playing a lot of Cthulhu. It's weird to hear you say that. It is. It's it's so good in Arkham Horror LCG. You want to talk about Arkham Horror LCG again? Let's do that some more. No. Okay. Nope. Don't we have another now, segment? Uh, what I want to do <laughs> is before we jump into hearing how Prescom was and maybe some of Dan's plays and what he saw, uh, Dan, I want to play a game called Let's Find Tiff a New uh, iOS Game because she keeps playing Waterdeep. Yeah, I don't know why you put... Like, you're like... A glutton for punishment like why do you keep listen that game? they just re-invite me to the game and i play it you what else can it's what else what can she play dan you play more ios games than me i'm not gonna say no to the invitation because it's the only gaming that i do consistently. but you could suggest a new game you could be like cool guys let's do this no waterdeep has such a good app i like i see the value in continuing to play it i sometimes get frustrated that i'm constantly playing it but for the most part you can I play enjoy mystica it. you so. can play potion explosion you can play patchwork you can play kingdom builder you can play ascension terra mystica is not out yet is it no i don't think so it's coming like in the next couple of weeks and i'm oh i'll give him 20 bucks for that game eee. are you gonna buy gaia project dan gaia project terra mystica in space I want to hear more about it first. You were all jazzed about it when you saw that. Yeah, I yeah, I want to hear more about it, but I'm it's like probably top of my yeah. list right now for anticipation games. Yes. All right. Let's focus back on the message. Tiff, new game. Listen, find an asynchronous game and I will play it with you. Send me an invite. I you know, I I'm always open to it. I play games on my phone on Yukata sometimes <laughs> even. So it's not for lack of wanting. It's for, like, lack of friends that care about me, really, truly. All right, well, we are here for you. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> we are here for you. All right. Somebody All right. invite Tiff to a different game. Tiff, what is your... Do you have, like, a Game Center ID or something? I think everything game-related is Tibon, T-I-B-A-H-N. Try to find Tiff. Tibbin. Tibbin. <laughs> or Tibbin if you're Dan. Tibbin the Wise. When we play uh, an RPG with Dan at some point, that will be your character's name, Tiff. We're never going to play an RPG with Dan. Hey, did you back that one? That Wizards I didn't, pig? but I, I will get it when it comes out. Yeah. Okay. I looked into it. I decided not to back it. Dan, well, Dan wouldn't play Pig Smoke with us, so. It's <laughs> called freaking Pig Smoke. But Craig would play it. Would. And... Craig could be the new Dan. Will Craig be my brother? We're ousting. We're having a like coup right now. We're we're getting rid of. No, I'll start my own yeah. podcast. It's fine. No big Ouch. deal. This that is hurts. getting too real. Please, new segment. Uh, I'm begging. Yes, let's round out the show because we have been chatting for a little while. We're already to rounding out the show. Dan, tell us about Prezcon. Uh, Prezcon. Last week, Charlottesville, Virginia. You, okay, you set the stage. I was there. Establishing show. Yes. It was sunny. It was warm. It was lovely outside. But you know what I did? I stayed indoors and played board games. Um, yeah, so PrezCon, cool little convention in Virginia. I've gone to like the last three or four years. It's just a open gaming convention. Not a whole lot of like kind of vendor activity. It's it's mainly a tournament convention. So actually, the open gaming piece is small in comparison. Um, it's mainly people go for like a week long. It's like the WBC, the World Board Gaming Championships, where it's strictly like a week long game of tournaments or week long con of tournaments. 
um, with trophies and plaques and all kinds of stuff. Uh, people get real jazzed to compete against each other and like can't stop and Stone Age and I don't do that. Not my scene because I I feel like I would just get frustrated because a lot of these people and I know a lot of these people and they're all great people, but they know these games like better than their own children sometimes in in some instances and it's like wow like I I don't know this game that well. You know, and I don't want to be that guy that plays like Puerto Rico and gets yelled at because I didn't do the scripted fifth move. You know what I mean? Like, I, do, I don't want to be that guy. It's like, oh, no, he's gone rogue. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, God, we don't know he's what to do coffee. on turn he's two He's making now. coffee. Oh, God, turn two. What are we going to do? Yeah, so I don't want to be that guy. I just play in the open gaming. So I played, at, like most cons, like I didn't play as much as I thought I would which is always a bummer, but I did play some interesting things. One game I got to try that I was really interested in was uh, Flamme Rouge. Yeah, how's that? Which is the bike racing game. It's good. It reminded me a lot of Snow Tales, to be honest with you. So you've got like two decks of cards, one for your roller, one for your sprinter, and you're basically just picking cards. You're going to draw four, you're going to pick one, and then you're going to go that speed. Um, The thing is, like, when you use a card, it goes out of your deck, so... You're constantly losing cards and getting more tired. Um, if you're like, if you sprint out to the front, you take like the exhaustion cards that kind of fill in your deck, and you can only move like a smaller amount when they come up, and you have to choose them. Um, it's got uphill, downhill, so it's it's cool. Like it's it's a game. Like the first time I played it, I was like, all right, that was all right. And then the second time, like once I understood it, um, I saw like a little bit of the strategy and using like your sprinter and your roller bouncing off each other, kind of predicting what other people were doing. Um, so it was cool. It's good. I don't know that I need to own it. It scratches one of the same itches that Snowtails does, and Snowtails is a really good game. But um, yeah, I'd happily play it anytime. It already has an expansion um, announced. It's not even available over here. Um, yeah, that's an easy to expansion thing. They just add a couple more pieces and some cards, kind of thing. Because it comes with like, I think it comes with like eight or ten like preset tracks you can make with the pieces it comes cool. with, and there are varying difficulties. So it's good. I don't know if I ever saw it on sale. I'd pick yeah. it up but yeah so i did that anything else notable um i played yeah i played the colonists i played two eras of the colonists that game is excellent the only thing i'll say is that i will never play just two airs again because it's just kind of it's it's not i don't think what that game is intended to be it's intended to kind of play out over the entire four eras because you can build and, and my, how long did two eras take I mean, it, you know, in a con setting with a teach, it was it was a good like three three and a half hours. But we were talking, and even Ruth yelled at us because we were talking and not taking our turns. And <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, once she yelled at us, we kind of just went snappy. But like I, I couldn't get my mind around like playing to just a two era end. And I I had like this long term strategy going that I know in the third era would really pay dividends. And so I really want to just sit down and play that one um, at length. Because um, it was really good. And not as hard as it looks. Like, it's got this intimidating presence on the table because it's got so many bits. But mechanically, it's super simple. Um, so I, I've so wondered that about good. that because I always think about, like, let's jump into it someday. But I worry about, like, trying to teach people. But then I remember the teaching game that we played really wasn't that bad. I don't... How hard is it to teach no. even if it's not a hard game? It's not hard. I mean, the the tutorial, there's a couple of things outside of the tutorial that you need to add in, like the the um the embassy kind of things with the different colonies that you can relate relate with <laughs> you can make relations with um, <laughs> in the old love hut no it's super easy and ruth did an excellent job of teaching it so big ups to her like for how that. long does it take to teach 20 minutes 20 minutes maybe i guess you could probably spit it out in. which isn't bad for like a four-hour game no, because right. like certain buildings only come out in certain eras, so it's not like you have to go through the entire building list like a caverna or something like that. Like you just you pull them out as they come, and you can kind of there's cheat sheets online that kind of show you what turns into what, so you could print those out for people so that they could kind of see what's coming. It's, there's ways to kind of mitigate the length of the time to teach it via all the really cool people on BGG with more time than I have. Uh, other than that, uh, Pandante that was crap. The game is not good shocking that game is not good at all um here's note to self don't take poker one of the most streamlined and beautiful games ever and then make it the most convoluted thing so convoluted oh my goodness it's absolutely dumb i played lignum the lumberjacking euro game that's coming over from capstone at origins um that was good it was it was extremely thematic for a heavy euro 
everything in it made sense like with the integration of the theme um, I'd like to try it again it was it was good um, there's a couple parts of it that just felt like it was just complex for complexity's sake like let's add another step here just for fun again I haven't dug into it so I can't really I can't comment on that but I, I did have fun with it I don't know that I'd buy it but um, I'd like to try it again. I played Maduras, the new Stefandora Haba game in their family line. That was excellent I for that. that family line. Well, Haba sent us a copy, so cool. you don't have to. It's pretty. It is. It's super simple. It's good. It's not as good as Adventureland. That expansion just came out, too. I know. I will be buying that because it's awesome. I love that game. So kudos to Haba. This family line is really hitting on all cylinders. I mean, Karuba, Maduras... Adventureland. Um, they have another one that they sent us called Lady Richmond, which is like an auction game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how that's going to play, but it, it looks interesting <laughs> enough. Snow. Yeah, I'm not a big auction guy either. But um, yeah, that's that. I also played Hop, which is the most overproduced party game ever. It was fun. It was just ring toss. I mean, it's good for a convention setting. I could never in good conscience recommend buying this unless you really enjoy just tossing rings on other people's fingers over and over again. Is that what you do? But it's just Yes, yeah. I did not it's know literally that. ring toss. I saw it in my game store and there's like a bajillion copies of it. Yeah, it's got a tiered thing and you all the painted it's minis. So expensive for the the dumbest game yeah. ever. But it's like it's fun and dumb at the same time <laughs> perfect convention but it, game. <laughs> it it goes more dumb because of just the production choices like you don't need that giant tower in the middle like think yeti yeah. right which is pointless and then triple the size of that and note that that only keeps score Yeesh. that's it and then it comes with like these little like crossmaster type kind of chibi figures fully painted those are very nice but it's just like and, Oh god, that, it it really it just annoyed me more than anything that this much production went into a game that is just so dumb. <laughs> like, I, oh. <laughs> I just I got mad at it. A party game I did like was called Insider. I think that's one of those oint games little thing. That was a pretty clever party game. Uh, I played again Millennium Blades. Um, I, I still enjoy the second half of Millennium Blades. The first half of it. It just kind of irritates me. the card grabbing part? The whole, the timed element of it. I think that could have been done in a much more streamlined fashion. The second piece, the tournament aspect, is awesome. The the first part kind of like, eh. Um, And then I played some prototypes. I played my game. I played a couple of TCs, which were really good. And I I played Spires, the production of copy of Spires, which looks really pretty. I played Glucks. Oh, boom. You guys we're off being mad at me so you didn't respond to my text but i found a link on queen games site that spelled glucks g l u e x glue x what's up i am not as dumb as people think <laughs> but the fact that you just tried to throw that in her face confirms that you are no <laughs> it's not because you guys made fun of me for trying to say everything is x at the end and in this case it actually was on queen games site so that's what they had as the pronunciation i g-l-u-e-x Maybe queen i don't games know whether that's in a different language or i don't know but i was not off base so i felt really i laughed really hard at that actually I when i saw that. glukes is funnier thanks glukes is way better but i was just laughing because Tiff made a point to call me out and say I always put X at the end. And I was like... No, I said that you always, if you're not sure, will add an extra syllable. Yeah. And try it four different ways. <laughs> I was correct. Well, you know what? The world is cultured and people say things differently. So I try to appeal to a broader base. Okay? I mean, you are the international ambassador in this podcast. Uh, it's true. I you have be. all the accents. I do. So, all right. Yeah, that... That's kind of when I played at PressCon. There was probably some other stuff that I forgot. Uh, Race for the Galaxy Jump Drive, not worth it. Overall, the worst thing I played was Pandante. That that game was a waste game of my is time. Game not good. Is it a, a con worth going to? Yeah. If you like just open gaming. If you're in the area, maybe. like In this area, it's like a four-hour drive. So if you're up for a four-hour drive, sure. All right, well has been a pleasure, everyone. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Remember, if you need to find us, you can do so at facebook.com slash League of Nonsensical Gamers. Feel free 
just shoot us an email podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com head on over to the bgg guild number 2077 tell us about your top of stack what you've been playing things like that uh thank you again to our sponsor tasty minstrel games find them at playtmg.com and stay here to hear about some of the new things that they have coming out if you like the show you can always leave us ratings and stars and comments on itunes we really appreciate that some nice words or constructive feedback goes a long way over there uh, if you like looking at pictures, you can check out the Nonsensical Gamers or Cinnamon Buns Instagram pages. Lots of board game photos over there. And if you want to talk to us directly, the best place to do that is on Twitter. Tiffany B., if they want to chat with you, where do they do that? I'm at IneptGamer. And Dan, if they want to follow along with the progress of Storm Chasers, where do they do that? At Scandalous underscore Nad or at League Nonsense. And you can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Thank you all for joining us for episode 63. We will see you again next week. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. Toodles. Bye.